in San Francisco. Looks like we may have an established closer in Tampa Bay, at least until they throw us another curveball. But we got a lot more than closers. Today is Underachievers Day, and that has nothing to do with Scott and myself. Uh, we, mm-hmm. hope, Yeah, we're not under. I don't think we're underachievers. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are some fantasy baseball players, so they're not busts, but they're underachievers. So today is Underachievers Day, and I'm talking some high-end guys. I'm talking Jose Altuve is an no. under, yes, is an underachiever. Joey Votto is an underachiever. Trey Turner is an underachiever. I'm sure I'll get a little bit of pushback on some of these with Scott. Um, Scott, have you ever broken your hand punching something out of anger? Can't say that I have, Adam. I have never reached that level of rage. I have never broken my hand, but I did punch a hole... In a door. Wow, yeah. how very Andy Bernard of you. Yeah, it was. It really was. <laughs> I went. What were you mad about? Do you even remember? Of course, I remember. It was um, two thousand and seven. It was a road game. It was Miami at Florida State. That's all I remember. <laughs> oh, it was a football. Game. <laughs> and we won. We ended up winning the game. <laughs> But we were losing. I thought we were going to lose, and I, I punched the hole in, in my door. It was bad. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, some brute strength. Um, okay, so let's get into today's show. Before we get into the underachievers, let's talk about the overachievers. Two pitchers who are 71% owned achieved greatly last night, and they are Domingo Erman, or Domingo German, as I've been calling him, and Rich Hill. Rich Hill back for the Dodgers, pitched very well. Domingo Herman, another great start for the Yankees. Who would you rather have, Scott White? I would rather have Domingo Herman. This start went about as well as it could have gone after I'd been hyping him all week, and he continued to do the same. The things that were making me hype him in the first place, 17 swinging strikes in this start. It was his third straight with nine strikeouts, I believe, during that with at least nine strikeouts. I believe during that three-start stretch, he has 28 strikeouts to two walks. And once again, um, showed a really effective, diverse arsenal, three pitches that are capable of getting swings and misses. That That is such an advantage for a young pitcher. I mean, good pitchers never reach that, sometimes never reach that standard where they're getting swings and misses on three pitchers, pitches, it uh, really opens up his options when he needs to make a big pitch, really keeps hitters guessing. Uh, he, he's going to continue to pile up strikeouts, and I think is on a really good path right now. So this is Domingo Armand we're talking about for the Yankees. Again, 71% owned. I guess we'll start talking about who we could drop for him. Um, I, I guess uh, the caution flag would be that Tanaka will be back, which in theory would bump Loizaga out of the rotation. But you know the Yankees want to add a pitcher. So I don't know what the long-term future looks like. His next start will be at Tampa Bay. That's an obvious start for Armand. That is uh, this weekend. I believe. Yeah, that is Sunday. Um, but does that, when you compare him to a guy like Rich Hill, who they want to keep in the rotation, he doesn't, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he should be in the rotation. Um, 
Does that worry mm-hmm. you at all, just going out and maybe dropping somebody you really like for Domingo Armand? It might just be another month or so while he's in the rotation. Yeah, it really doesn't worry me. I don't think I, he could run into an innings issue at some point, Herman. Uh, but if he's pitching the way he is right now, I don't, I don't see how they take him out. And like, there's, there's no predicting what's going to happen with Sabathia, who's often on the DL between now and then. Uh, Sonny Gray, I'm not convinced he's really back. There are. Uh, all right, all right, you're all in. You're all in. That's fine. Um, Armand uh, or Tyone? I, man, that's that's a that's a hard one right off the bat. But I I think I think I prefer Herman. I certainly prefer Herman's upside. Would you drop Luke Weaver for Domingo Armand? Yes. Yes, I am about done with Luke Weaver in a standard mixed league contest. Oh, Text. I know, right? It's so annoying. Enough is enough. What happened to Luis Castillo and Luke Weaver, man? Just so good well, last year. I mean, Castillo's at least do, still doing what makes him great. He's just kind of slipped up in other ways. Luke Weaver, what made him great was uh getting ahead in the count, being an, kind of an extreme strike thrower, and that's clearly fallen by the wayside. Another, another, uh, well, 10 walks in his last three starts. And that's, you know, he's had issues with that all year. His strike percentage is way down. Yeah, he's, I don't really see a turnaround in sight here. Are you, uh, are you going to start Rich Hill? We'll go back to Hill this weekend. Oh no, it's Monday. I guess it's a two-star pitcher next week. He's got the Cubs in the first start and I will try to check the second start for Rich Hill. Um, and that would be, the Rockies at home. Cubs and Rockies at home. So, I mean, it's just, it is weird to see Hill available in almost 30% of leagues. Like, I, I'd want to pick him up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, there, I, I wrote waiver wire this morning. I actually wrote it late last night, but I wrote waiver wire for the first time all year, and I have Herman and Hill both on it, as well as the next pitcher we're going to talk about. Yes, let's get to him. So, Freddie Peralta. Yes, sir. Freddie Peralta, six scoreless innings with seven strikeouts and no walks, which is the big thing for Peralta. He's got some control issues, but uh, he is 40% owned, Freddie Peralta, for the Brewers. And again, in this start, 78 of his 99 pitches were four-seam fastballs, and I think that was the lowest percentage of four-seamers he had thrown in any of his three starts. So very uh, one note there. It seems to be a great pitch. He's gotten high, uh, high strikeout rate throughout his minor league career, but between that uh, potentially catching up to him at the major league level, and then look issues that you referred to. He's my least favorite of these three, but well, it does know, look like there's a path for him to stick with Zach Beatty's out indefinitely. Uh, I don't think this is just going to be a two starts and done situation like last time. So I put in two bids for Peralta in a weekly Fab League. I put in a well, that's twice a week, a uh, twelve dollar bid, and I lost. He went for twenty two dollars, I think. And in our Roto League, um, our Memorial Roto League, $2 bid, I believe, or $1 bid, I think I got Peralta. Uh, so I guess just, I don't know. Sometimes in that league, like weeknights, people don't really pay attention that much. Although I, you picked up Sam Dyson, which was, I should have picked up Sam Dyson. Um, anyway, we'll get to Dyson in a second. You, what you just said about Peralta, I didn't know the thing about the fastball, throwing almost exclusively four-seam fastballs. That mm-hmm. definitely makes me happy that I did not spend 
22 bucks on Peralta. It, that, that's out of 250 bucks, but nobody has that left anymore. But I'm, I'm yeah. happy I didn't break the bank for him. I don't believe pitchers can survive with, with one or two pitches. I didn't know that, Scott. So thank you. Uh, it's pretty rare. I mean, Chris Archer certainly more than survived. He hasn't been, I know you've knocked him for that quite often, but we're comparing him to the elite pitchers in the game. Yeah. He's certainly no, been I mean, a good he's pitcher. Certainly survived, right. right. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely a tougher route. From what I understand, like he varies the fastball quite a bit. It's not just the same every time he throws it, but. So it, it can kind of function as more than one pitch, but it's I'd still much rather see him have a good breaking ball for me right. to to trust that he's going to be a, a consistent contributor in fantasy. That's Freddie Peralta we're talking about. Okay, so he likes Herman, then Hill, then Freddie Peralta. We got more pitchers. Like, would you rather have Vince Velasquez or Freddie Peralta? Vince. Okay. Would you rather we're on have a first name basis? Vince, yeah, double V. Vinny. Would you rather have um, Marco Gonzalez or Freddy Peralta? Marco. Okay. I'm gonna tell you something about Marco Gonzalez a little bit later. Right, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a lot about Marco Gonzalez. News and notes. Oh man. Hunter Strickland's out six to eight weeks after breaking his hand while punching a door, and Sam Dyson will be the primary closer for the Giants. So, one, can we drop Mark Melanson? Ah. Uh... I think if you're in the kind of league where you were stashing him, you'd need to keep stashing him. Okay. I was disappointed, obviously, this wasn't his path into the role, but I, I think it certainly helps. Six to eight weeks is a long time, and hopefully he proves durable during that time. Right. But Bruce Bochy's not sure that Melanson can can handle the, that workload just yet. Dyson is having a nice year, and he's not racking up the strikeouts or anything, but he's got a sub-one whip. He's got a, a 2.45 ERA. And, you know, bouncing back, it was a really nice pickup for them last year after he was just so bad at the start of last season with the Rangers. Uh All right, so he is, Sam Dyson is 14% owned. Would you prefer him to the Blake Parkers or the Ken Giles of the world? I, not, I don't think Blake Parker, Ken Giles, I mean, looks like the backup option for saves for the Astros right now, Um, even though I prefer to own him over the primary option, but that's another situation. I would say, I would say he's in between those two, Blake Parker and um, and Ken Giles. I feel like he's not the best reliever in the Giants' pen. Even taking Melanson out of the equation, Tony Watson's been a lot better. And the way it's worded, he'll be the primary closer, makes me wonder if he'll get every single save opportunity because. The two were kind of splitting eighth inning role, the eighth inning role until this. Right. Uh, but Dyson's solid. I mean, he was solid down the stretch last year. He's an elite ground ball guy. He could be just fine. Okay. Sam Dyson, 14% owned. And by the way, in the Rangers bullpen last night, or the uh, Astros bullpen last night, Hector Rondon pitched the seventh and eighth, he pitched, uh, the last out of the seventh and the eighth inning then after that. And they lost that game. That was not a save situation. Yeah, uh, Brandon really, Morrow, sorry, Scott. Really Bra- tough to figure out. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the annoying. Astros situation. Brandon Morrow dealing with back tightness seems day to day. Greg Holland is back for the Cardinals, but he's got some work to do to uh, become a closer. Steven Strasburg has not resumed throwing, but Clayton Kershaw will probably be back next week. He's going to make a rehab start this weekend, and then Kershaw could be back after that. Marcus Stroman will start this weekend. Ooh, let's let's play a game. Let's guess the ownership for Marcus Stroman. I'm going to guess. Okay. 
I'm going to guess, I'll just say 71%, which is where Erman and Rich Hill were. So let's just say Strowman is right there. What do you think? I'm going to say 64. Okay. Uh, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Adam's uh, slow computer strikes again. Matt Adams, I almost broke it this morning. I almost punched a hole through the computer. Uh, wow. Mark, uh, Matt Adams on the DL with a broken finger, so Daniel Murphy continues to play first base. And considering how weak first base has been, that's no small thing if he picks up eligibility there. Uh, Rugnet Odor was benched, and Johander Mendez was sent down for reportedly being out late on Monday night. Uh, Mike Fultonevich on track to return this weekend, so it was bad timing for Mike Soroka to struggle. Jay Bruce is on the DL. Dominic Smith started in the outfield for the Mets. Ronald Acuna will begin a rehab assignment soon. Austin Meadows is dealing with a foot injury, so he's been out of the lineup recently. If you own Eduardo Nunez, looks like you may own him for a little while longer. Dustin Pedroia has yet to begin baseball activities. They are a little concerned about Pedroia. Uh, he, he is not close to returning. Archie Bradley's having a good year, and he is pitching through a cracked fingernail, which he cracked in spring training, and it apparently has hindered his curveball, and he expects to be pitching through it all season. So a little hmm. interesting tidbit on Archie Bradley. J.P. Crawford out four to six weeks with a broken hand. That should keep Michael Franco and, and uh, Kingery in the lineup, I suppose. Uh, Ian Desmond, we told you he had good matchups this week. He crushes lefties. He homered off a lefty yesterday, and that's been a bigger split for Ian Desmond than home road. So if you are in a daily league and you own Ian Desmond or he's available, that's something to keep in mind. And I think there are a couple more lefties on the schedule for Desmond this week. Kevin Kiermeyer, yep. 24% owned. He led off. He went 0 for 5. But uh, last year he had 15 homers and 16 steals in 98 games. So I am a little disappointed in myself for not picking up Kiermeyer in a deep roto league last night. Kind of, I saw someone pick them up. I said, ah, crap, should have added him. Uh, he's been awful this year, but he's okay. And Franchi Cordero had a setback, won't be back anytime soon. And Scott White, Marcus Stroman, you win. Although you did go over, so it was close without going over. We both lost, which makes us underachievers <laughs> on Underachievers not, Day. Not price is right rules. Stroman is 60% owned. Do you have uh, interest in picking up Stroman? Do you want to build a Stroman? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he probably deserves to be more owned than that. He was obviously having a terrible season, but you have to wonder... Since the shoulder was something that dated back to spring training, how much he was impacted by that. Obviously, he's been a quality fantasy option in the past. I think especially in points leagues, I'd like to own him. Sure. Hey, real quick, Scott White. Jesus Aguilar or Brandon Belt? Uh, Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt was basically must start before getting hurt. And I don't know why we'd change that now. Aguilar's been great. And deserves to be more than 75% owned. And, you know, it's, it's, it's clear that, like, he's, he's probably the Brewers' best hitter. So they're not taking him out alone much with Thames back. But, uh, but they are taking him out some, and that hurts his value. They have a very similar OPS, and they have a very similar batting average. Aguilar's batting 298, Belt's batting 296. Aguilar's had more pop. He's got a 580 slugging percentage, Belt a 534 slugging percentage. But Belt gets on base a little bit more, 395 OBP, 390, and that's not a fluke. Like Belt gets on base, and Aguilar is a 363 OBP, very, very respectable. And how about that? This is so weird. Jesus Aguilar is the number 15 first baseman in points leagues. He is the number three first baseman in roto, and, and part of that is just plate appearances. He's only had 188 at bats, yeah. 
But he's the number three first baseman in Roto. A strange year for first base. It really is. That's a bit. You don't see gaps that big unless you're talking about Carlos Santana. Right. You know, somebody whose skill set makes it very obvious. I'm not sure what the difference would be there. Yeah, I think it's just plate appearances. That That's one thing that often affects that ranking, because in points leagues, if you don't have the plate appearances, it's hard to rank high in Roto. I know he's on pace even with the lack of plate appearances for 100 RBI, but I guess uh, I guess maybe like the doubles are lacking in the yeah. runs probably. Well, 20, 20 walks isn't great. 11 doubles isn't great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's been really good, Jesus Aguilar. Hey, real quick, Scott. I I think I read that Eduardo Escobar leads baseball in extra base hits. He had a couple more doubles yesterday. Escobar or mm-hmm. Rafael Devers? I mean, I've been saying it, Adam. He's on pace for more extra base hits than Mike Trout. I would much rather have Eduardo Escobar. It's not even close to me. Have you noticed Devers lately? He's, uh, he's heating up. He's got a hit in 12 of his last 13 games. 8 for 21 yeah, in his last 5. But you know what he's not it's doing? Still... He's not walking in that stretch at all. Right. It's still kind of a hollow, uh, you know, apart from the occasional home run, it's kind of hollow the, the hits he's getting. He's not, it's, it's not a wide enough range of contributions for me to think this is him really breaking out in the way we hoped. Alright, so you're tired of having Rafael Devers on your team. Here's the good news. You don't ever have to have him on your team if you play on draft. You could if you want. If he's got a great matchup or you're just feeling good about it, you need an infielder, and you're on the draft app and you're drafting, okay, take a chance on Rafael Devers. But cool thing about draft is that, well, there are a lot of cool things. One of the cool things is that you've got a new team every single day, as many times as you want. Draft started just $1. They don't take long. You're drafting five players. you got 30 seconds on the clock. You can play against one person. You can play in drafts up to 10 people. Uh, you can play... Baseball, basketball, football, golf, you can play hockey on the draft app. You can play DFS for so many sports. And you can compete against me and win my money. I did come in second place in the latest contest that I did. It was out of three people, but I still, I, you know what, I did pretty well in that contest, but, uh, didn't do quite well enough to win. Uh, that was two nights ago. Yesterday was my birthday. Scott didn't wish me happy birthday, that's fine, but I took the night off from draft. I'll be back at it tonight. FB today is the promo code if you want to compete against me or just Play in a free game. You get into a real money draft for free if you use the promo code FB today. And I know you're going to love draft because I know you listen to this podcast because you like fantasy baseball. So play more of it and use the code FB today when you sign up on draft or on draft.com. Scott, I'm very disappointed in you. What? What are you, am I supposed to remember your birthday? Go on Facebook. We're, we're Facebook friends. I didn't see it on Facebook, and and I was noticing someone else's birthday. Well, that just hurts Hmm. even more. I don't know why. Well, are you sure that you have your birthday plugged into Facebook where it shows up for everybody? Yeah, I'd say so. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten gotten that many wall comments. Happy belated birthday. Yeah, whatever. Rings hollow. I expect this from Kreeth, not from you. Well, I forgive you, Scott. Let's move on. It's almost time for Underachievers Day. First bullpen notes. Jordan Hicks for the Cardinals threw an inning and a third. He, I think he gave up the inherited runners and blew the save, but then he got the win because he pitched the ninth after the Cardinals took the lead in the top of the ninth. Bud Norris had pitched two straight games, so I think that's why he wasn't used. Sir Anthony Dominguez was used as a closer. He gave up a solo home run, though, in a tie game in the top of the ninth at home. Still, he's their best reliever, Sir Anthony Dominguez. I mentioned what happened with Hector Rondon. He threw uh, an out in the seventh inning and two outs in the eighth. 
gave up a run on two hits. Blake Parker pitched two innings and got the save. He did give up two runs, though, in the ninth inning. Uh, I kind of forgive it when they pitched two innings and the first was scoreless, but still, Parker, um, not great lately. Did get his eighth save. Parker's 53% owned. Sergio Romo, once again used as the closer. He's only 8% owned, Scott. I, I feel like that's low. You know, closers yeah. are closers, and, and it looks like they, they have Romo in that role. Uh, look, he blew it badly two nights ago. They came back to Romo last night, and he got the save at Houston. Yeah, saves are saves, and it's been very consistent of late. Uh, three of his last four appearances, saves or the blown save. So, or I, actually all four of his appearances were either the saves or blown saves. So, yeah, I mean, he's the, he appears to be the closer, and that deserves to be more than 8% out. Now, he's probably the worst closer in baseball, <laughs> so it doesn't deserve to be 68% owned. Right. You know? Right. But... More than 8%, sure. And he probably, if they have a save situation tonight or today, I don't know when they play, won't probably won't get it because he's pitched two straight days. So uh, don't freak out. And Brad Hand has struggled uh, two outings in a row. I don't think that's a thing, but we'll keep an eye on our hand. These guys homered in three straight games. That's the title of this category. Aaron Hicks, Matt Carpenter, Odubel Herrera. Scott, Aaron Hicks, Matt Carpenter, and Odubel Herrera, they homered in three straight games. Wow. I mean, we talked about Carpenter a lot yesterday, and still very encouraging to see that. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance he's an elite player the rest of the way. Um, the batted ball tendencies had just been had hinted of so much more for so long, and it may be finally making good of it. And always, he's you know he's he's not far removed from being that type of player anyway. Herrera and Hicks. I mean, I don't think it really changes much for me. Herrera's been. Kind of a number three outfielder in fantasy all season. Hicks has been more like a border fine, borderline four or five. Uh, I guess maybe it, it puts us that much further away from seeing Clint Frazier take over for Hicks. Oh, he, by the way, has been called not, up. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, he's up in the majors right now, but obviously there's no spot for him. Yeah, it's, uh, Brett Gardner insurance, but Gardner's Probably back today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hicks. I mean, I think they like his defense. And uh, 67% owned. He, you look at his point totals, and he's usually like, you know, 16 to 18 points. I think Aaron Hicks is a good player. If you have an injury and you need someone in a three-outfielder league or something, he can do a respectable job, that kind of player. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he's been much, much better on the road, just hitting 196 in Yankee Stadium, which is strange for Aaron Hicks. But every time I think, like, you look at the walk-to-strikeout ratio and the and the home ballpark, and he's very good against lefties. I guess if he were better against righties, that would help. Um, every time I think Aaron Hicks might take the next step, I think I've kind of given up on that dream. I think he's just sort of is what he is. Um, I guess we could call him an underachiever, but he's not an underachiever's day. Scott White, are you ready for almost exclusively first and second round picks who have underachieved? Sure, let's talk about this. Good. Jose Altuve has underachieved despite hitting 341 and being the number two second baseman. But he is the 11th best hitter in points leagues and 13th best in Roto. And, you know, I think for a lot of these guys, the underachievement is simply in power numbers. And that's what it is with Altuve. I mean, he's on pace for 10 home runs. And he's had two straight seasons with 24 home runs. He's on pace for 23 steals, but that that has ticked up recently. He's had two straight seasons with 30 or 32 steals. So it's just a little bit of a down year for Jose Altuve. He hasn't performed like the number two overall player. 
He's performed as more like a back end late, uh, first round pick. So yeah, yeah, what do you think? Any concerns I had about him have been relieved in the last over the last month. Basically, nine of his eleven steals have come then. So now that that's back on track, uh, I, I obviously I wish he had it was on a better power pace, but the batted ball data is all identical to last year, so it's not like he can't get back to that just as quickly as he got back to running like he has. I, I think he's more or less the same player. I do prefer Jose Ramirez now, but that's mostly because Jose Ramirez has been ridiculous. And Jose Altuve actually sat yesterday, which was like breaking news. He pretty much doesn't do that, and he pinch hit. Uh Joey Votto. Now, of course, I was I already had this segment planned yesterday, and then he goes out and hits a grand slam, so that was annoying. And you want to talk about a big split in points versus Roto. This one makes a little more sense. So Aguilar was like, what I say, 15th in points, third in Roto at first base. Votto yep. is basically the opposite. He's third at first base in points, and he's 11th in Roto. Now, if you play in a Roto league with OBP, I bet he's higher. But, uh, you know, 302 batting average, very good. But he always is like a just ridiculous stud in OBP. Um, seven home runs, including one yesterday. 36 runs, 36 RBIs, 52 walks to 44 strikeouts. Again, it's just power. He's hitting a lot of line drives, 34% line drive rate, career hard high, con- career high hard contact rate, which, as we noted last week, is the case for a lot of players, so we don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know, man. Like, seven home runs, but we know what he can do post-All-Star break. Do you think he gets to... 25 home runs. You think Joey Votto hits 18 home runs rest of season, which would be a pretty nice pace, pretty damn good pace. It would be. I would bet against it at this point as far behind as he is. I mean, I, I think his pace will improve over the course of the season, but I don't think like, I don't think it's a sure thing that he's going to be the power hitter he was a year ago, which is kind of an outlier for his career, by the way. Like, he's normally been more of um like the five homer guy than than uh, than uh, thirty five. Well, he guy. hit he hit twenty nine. How, how many did he have last year? He had thirty six last year, but the two years before yeah. that, Votto hit twenty nine home runs in two thousand fifteen and twenty nine home runs in two thousand sixteen. I'm not sure he's going to get there, and and I I think the the really only thing that concerns me with Votto is that he's getting up there in age, and this is the first time that I see the first time I can remember. I didn't check every year of his splits, but he doesn't struggle against lefties. And this year he's hitting 198 with a 326 slugging percentage against lefties. And that's also what's held back Matt Carpenter recently. He's been bad against lefties each of the last two years. So that, you know, I guess we're going to talk about if we have long-term concerns about these guys. And I know Votto can be really good. I, I don't know if that lefty thing is a real issue now and if that's going to change what kind of hitter he is. Well, it's it's always difficult to assess him in particular because we've seen him have just dreadful extended slumps at the beginning of the season, and then he's the best hitter in baseball for the final four months or whatever. Uh, we're we're kind of deeper into the season than we usually see him turn it on like that, but he also has been good, so it's not he needs to turn it on quite that much. I think it's possible the fact he's thirty four. And hasn't always been the most reliable source of like high end power. And the fact he's hitting fewer fly balls this year, I think it's possible he's just worse. But we're still talking, you know, high end first baseman. Where do you rank him among first basemen? 
Uh, about about where I did at the beginning. Well, mostly because nobody's past him. Well, you know, three, goal, I had Goldschmidt drop behind him for a while. Goldschmidt's back ahead, but it's still the top four is still the same as it was coming into the year. It can't be in the same order. Freeman's got to be Why number not? one, right? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he is number one. Yeah. So so Freeman, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, Votto. Is that how you rank it? Votto, Rizzo. Votto, Rizzo. All yeah. right. Uh, Trey Turner. Like he's having a nice year, but he's the number six shortstop in points, number seven in Roto, which is surprising since he has twenty steals, thirty nine runs, ranks just eighth at the position, only eight home runs, and like you don't think about Trey Turner as having power, but he can be a twenty homer guy. Um, he he's not on pace for that this year. He only you know fourteen doubles in seventy one games. Well, it's fine. Whatever. He's on pace for eighteen home runs. Uh, yeah, not yeah. far off. Eighteen. So how many home runs did he have last year? Maybe I sold him short with twenty. Uh, last year he had 11 in 98 games. Well, I guess so I did it then. A similar pace to this year. So what is it? It's just the batting average for him at 267. Is that the big issue here? For Roto purposes, yeah, that's probably it. It's, it's kind of surprising that he's only on a 90 run pace, right. having played every single game batting near the top of the Nationals lineup. You think he'd be on pace for yeah, more than 90 runs. Absolutely. I mean, right, eighth most runs at the position. That's strange. Um, now their lineup can do a little bit better, but he did bat sixth yesterday. They moved Juan Soto up to second. I, I hope that doesn't continue. I don't want Turner batting sixth. But I mean, a part of it is just shortstop has been at the high end. It's been one of the better positions of baseball this year. So he. Yeah. Definitely. Has a lot of, like, Gene Segura is a top 10 points league hitter this year. I don't think any of us expect that to last, but, I mean, Bregman's top 15. Um, so you got Turner. I mean, it looks like Turner, I'm just eyeballing it here, but it looks like Turner's still been a top 20 hitter overall in points leagues. So the fact he's that low in shortstop, um, is more, co- is more commentary on how shortstop's been this year. Do you think he can, he goes crazy and gets that batting average up around 300 and has like, like a really, cause he's been cold. I mean, last 24 games, Turner has a 640 OPS. I think there's definitely a chance. I thought he profiled as that kind of hitter coming in. The Babbitt doesn't have a lot of correction in it, but, uh, you know, it's not like it's high. It's, it's pretty, um, close to average right now. The, the issue is like, he's, for the second straight year, he's been a bad line drive hitter. And if you're a bad line drive hitter, you're probably not going to have a high Babbitt. He's a so, big ground ball hitter, right? I mean, not a lot of fly balls, and he's so fast, yeah. you'd think he'd be hitting better than 267. Yeah. He's Willie Mays. But hits. line drives, even accounting for his speed, line drives are better than ground balls, and he's just not hitting that many of them for the second straight year. So, I think it's possible he raises the batting average. I'm not necessarily counting on it. I would love to get get me some Trey Turner right now. I'm not sure how people value. I don't know if people are if his owners are are like disappointed. I they probably aren't, but I, I'm optimistic for him. I think the lineup's going to get better. You know, I think the runs go up, or or the RBIs go up if he's batting later in the order. But I hope I I really hope they keep him toward the top. All right, Bryce Harper. I mean, he's a big part of this. He's the number nine outfielder in points, number 16 in Roto. Bryce Harper does have a history of just being like the, the best player ever in April and then not, not being nearly as good after that. Um, and he, gosh, he's so cold right now. 
Uh, what what kind of slump is he in? Last 53 games, he's batting 185 with a 691 OPS. So, all right, how worried are you about Bryce Harper? Do you still consider him a first-round pick? Yeah, I do. I did drop him behind J.D. Martinez, but that's as far as I've been willing to go with it. And as Chris Towers brings up every time we talk about Bryce Harper, his BABIP is 209. Like, that That pretty much sums it up right there, because it's not like doing... He has a fine line drive right. It's not like a Turner situation, and even that low of a bad would be ridiculous for Trey Turner, you know? Right. I, we, I think he's fine. We did talk about Harper though, and that he is grounding into the shift more, and that is hurting his batting yeah. average. It shouldn't be hurting it to this extent. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going to make a because somebody in my league is selling Bryce Harper, and I don't want to give up Chris Sale. I will offer him Zach Greinke for Bryce Harper. I think. I don't know if it's going to go through, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, are you concerned about him? He's a he's like the tw- number twenty five outfielder in points. He's like twentieth or so in roto, and just the worst walk to strikeout ratio of his career. He's seven for sixteen with two home runs and a double in his last four games. But yeah, I mean a ton of strikeouts, not a lot of walks. And I, I was wondering if his DHing was bothering him, but Stanton's been better as a DH than an outfielder. Are you concerned about Stanton? He got off to a miserable start with the strikeouts uh, that you might be tempted to think. It's felt like the overall rate is still, there's there's nothing over from that. But I'm just pulling up the stats to be sure because I think this is the case. I, I don't feel like, I, I feel like he's been bad with the strikeouts consistently, like, all year. Yeah, looking at box by month breakdown, that seems to be the case. That he, and that had, was that he has been or he has not been bad with the strikeouts? He's been bad with the strikeouts all year. Yeah. It wasn't just, there was a ton early and so the number still looks bad. Uh, and that's, that's disappointing because that was some, a big reason I was so excited about him coming into the year, the improvements he had made in that area during his MVP season. Uh, he's, I, I don't think he's, necessarily a top 20 hitter in fantasy he's top 30 still all right so here, here, here here's my take he is gonna go berserk the, you know i this happened two years ago he had he had a terrible stretch i mean like what's wrong with Giancarlo stanton and, he, and then he was like nine nine something ops 900 something ops i just think he's too good you know i know that the strikeouts are bad but he's the kind of guy that the, the data could tell you Nothing relevant because he could get hotter than any hitter in baseball. It's John Carlos Stanton we're talking about. And well, I want to believe. The next sentence that out of my mouth was going to be, I could still see him leading the majors in home runs. But I yeah. don't think he's the player he was last year. No, no. I mean, he, yeah, he was. that was probably his best season, right? I mean, that was an amazing season last year. Uh, and uh, I mean, maybe. He's not old. I won't, I won't put another season like that past him. Yeah, He's got to strike out less. I just don't know if we have any real buy lows here. I, I think maybe Harper, because some people really are worried about him. Stanton, yeah. I'm not sure, but but there are genuine concerns with Stanton. I mean, he might he might hit 250. That's gonna hold back his value. But I feel like a like a run is coming, and he's just gonna he's still hitting the ball hard. You know, he plays in a great park. He plays in a great lineup. He'll settle in. Gary Sanchez. I mean, I, Go ahead. I rank him much higher than he's performed to date. So just from that perspective, you call it by low. Yeah, I just wonder what his perceived value is. Uh, but Gary Sanchez, 
I tried to make I tried to make some plays from try to make some offers for him. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to give up on Sanchez yet, but he's now behind Buster Posey. He's fourth in points, sixth in Roto. In his last 19 games, Gary Sanchez is batting 100. He really has struggled for much of the year. I don't know that he's hit higher than like 223 for much of the year at all. Maybe the very very beginning. Um, are, do you have genuine concerns about Sanchez, or do you think he turns it around? It's another Bryce Harper situation. He has a 199 Babbitt. Now, the line drive rate is low, but 199 Babbitt is ridiculous no matter who you're looking at. All right, so Sanchez will turn it around. So, Scott, the last uh, second-round pick, or maybe late first, that I want to talk about is Chris Bryant. Number nine, third baseman in points. Number 11 in Roto. And he is batting 282 with nine home runs. He hit six of his nine home runs in uh, an 11-game stretch. So he's really had almost no power for most of the season, almost no home run power. And on the year, 20 doubles, pretty good in 63 games. Do you think Chris Bryant has the potential to be on like a, you know, he had 39 home runs one season. That was 2016. Do you think he has the potential to be that kind of home run hitter again? Not that he'll finish with 39, but rest of season be on that kind of pace. I'm beginning to doubt it. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. And it's just because it's been so long where he's fallen short of that kind of home run potential. Like he's really seems to have become, to evolved into a different kind of hitter that isn't necessarily worse, but for fantasy purposes, it seems to be worse. And just looking at the raw data, uh, maybe it's crazy for me to think that way because the fly ball rate is still what you expect to see from an elite power hitter, but the results have been underwhelming now for like a year and a half. So where is Chris Bryant in your third base rankings? I still have him higher than his actual performance to date, but I've moved him behind Bregman. Wow, been, really? Yeah. Interesting. Do, do you think there's a big difference between Chris Bryant and Eugenio Suarez? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Because uh, there thinking, hasn't there hasn't been this year, right? Like I'm thinking, like if you don't think there's a huge difference, then if you're the Chris Bryant owner, you say, "Here's my Chris Bryant and my uh, uh, Miles Michaelis. Give me your Eugenio Suarez and Jose Barrios or something like that, and you make a big upgrade at another position and a small downgrade at third base. If that it's, if you think that they're fairly close, it's a gutsy move, and. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad move. It's probably not a move I would in, endorse for most people. Right. Uh, I Maybe think, we I go think a little you gotta higher. Hold out hope of first round potential for Bryant still if you made that kind of investment in him. We go a little higher than Eugenio Suarez then perhaps. Um, but you want to watch Eugenio Suarez, Chris Bryant, all these guys. You can do that on Roku. Roku, it, like, you're tired, like, I'm so sick and tired of paying for cable. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I have a Roku. I, in fact, have two Rokus. One in the living room, one in the bedroom. I watch a whole bunch. I watch everything on there. Uh, it's live streaming and on-demand channels. You put plug it this. You plug a little box right into your TV, and you get all this stuff right there on your TV, including the free CBS Sports app. And if you have a subscription to any of the professional sports league apps, they're all available on Roku, so you can stream them right to your TV. And if you don't have premium subscriptions, Roku is a great way to catch your favorite local teams live with apps through many cable providers. People might not realize, but you can watch live sports. On your Roku, you can also watch movies and TV shows, more than 500,000 of them available across free and paid channels. 
The Roku starts at just $29.99 for the basic player, or you can spring for the higher-end players with stream in 4K with HDR. ROKU.com. Roku. I've already I bought one of these for my mom. She loves it. I'd buy them for I'd buy them for you. If we were friends, listeners out there, I'd buy you a Roku. They're they're cheap, man. $29.99 and they're awesome. ROKU.com. Learn more and start streaming today. All right, the I re- thought you were I thought you were saying if we were friends like you and me. I oh well we were friends and friends remember people's birthdays. That's all. Oh I want to clarify on Bryant. I had the wrong aster. I moved him behind George Springer. Oh, and I've also moved him behind Andrew Benintendi. I have not moved him behind Alex Bregman, though. We're not far off from that. Tomorrow I want to look at some mid-round underachievers like Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, and Anthony Rendon. And again, for Rendon, let's just get a little more power here. You got six home runs in 51 games, my friend, but he's he's getting hot, just not hitting it over the wall. All right, Scott, I want to talk about some pitchers from yesterday. Are these guys just okay? Are they just okay, or are they great? Or could they be great? Kenta Maeda, Marco Gonzalez, Jamison Tyone, Luke Weaver. Could they be great? I don't think they're going to be great this year. And I think the ones with the best chance of being great are Tyone and Weaver. But obviously Weaver's the one I want the least right now. So we're really not thinking short term. Or could they be great? Yeah. Now, the other two are Maeda and Marco Gonzalez. Maeda, Mar- Gonzalez, Tyone, and Weaver. But I want to ask you about Maeda, because before he went on the DL, you were very encouraged by some of the underlying stats. He's come off the DL and had two bad starts. Yeah, it's that's that's disappointing. That's why I'm not uh, I'm not really hopeful he can be great. But uh, one of the things that encouraged me was well the strikeouts. I mean that that's always been encouraging from him. But the fact that third time through the lineup, he's been. Like, has been his best time through the line. That's not something he struggles with. So, in theory, the Dodgers should allow him to pitch deeper into games. But it's theoretical. I don't know that they will. Okay. And then what I wanted to point about Mar- about Marco Gonzalez is I really think he's a matchups guy. Uh, and he's at Boston later this week. So, it was a terrible two-star week at the Yankees and at Boston. I, I, just I mean, that's certainly proven to be true this week with this, the first the Yankees game. Like, he, is, he had allowed six home runs all year. And then he allowed three to the Yankees yesterday. Yeah, it's such a tough stadium to pitch in. Uh but I, I don't I think it's more than just that game. I mean I looked at basically every tough matchup he's had, and he's usually done poorly. Four and two thirds, three runs at Houston against Houston, six innings, two runs at Cleveland. Great start. That was on April 29th. Honestly, it was probably cold. Cleveland was hitting very poorly at that point. Six innings, four and runs against the Angels, seven scoreless innings at Oakland, but Oakland is bad at home. They're very good on the road. They're a bad home team. They have the twenty second most runs scored, 22nd in runs scored at home. Uh, five innings, three earned runs against the Angels last week, six and a third, six earned runs against the Yankees. So I like Gonzalez, but I don't know, I don't, just don't trust them in tough matchups. Um, and then, alright, uh, I wanted to talk about the line order shields and how you feel about him. He's 50% owned. I don't really have much need for him unless I need, it's a steals specialist situation. You so know, that sounds a little low maybe, but not much. And he's batting ninth recently since Andrews came back. The line order shields. You know what I realized, Scott? Like, man, the steel specialists, almost all of them have been just terrible hitters this year. I mean, hey, go out and pick up Malik Smith. Go out and pick up Gerard Dyson. The line order shields. These guys have been awful in every category. Kiermeyer 
is not on the same level. Oh, Billy Hamilton, by the way. Byron Buxton, right? <laughs> yeah, the ultimate example. Uh, the Shields might have the best chance of being an all-around player of those guys, unless I'm forgetting someone. But gosh, the steel specialists. I mean, that's why you, that's why it's nice to pay up for steals and drafts. Because D. Gordon's been fine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I considered him, cause he's so good at batting average. I guess I'm talking about like the late round picks, or the free agent guys. Yeah. They do yeah. nothing but steal. They've been especially bad. I mean, the reason they're steal specialist is because you figure that's a possibility. So that's, that that's the way the hitting's going to go. Sure. Yeah. But it's been, it's been kind of universal that it's gone that way this year. And I, I meant to bring this up. You know, people think that Billy Hamilton could get moved. I think Buster only was writing about it. If Billy Hamilton gets traded, Scott, I, I feel like he gets traded and becomes a pinch runner. I think, I think that's at least possible. But let me ask you this, Adam. If he gets traded and becomes a pitch run, pinch runner, are we sure that lowers his fantasy value? <laughs> because we're almost, he's almost certain to be on base once a game, right? Yeah. Which is more than we can say now. <laughs> yeah. Does like it probably improves. Like if you're a pinch runner and you're like that, a pinch runner who's known to be that fast, you're getting inserted to, to run, to steal. Like I, I think it may actually be a better situation. He's not draining your batting average anymore. He's giving you a ton of steals. I think it's a better situation if he continues to be this bad. If he goes back to being the normal Billy Hamilton, which is a bad player but not one of the worst hitters in baseball, I think it's I think being a pinch runner is a downgrade. But, yeah, if he's normal Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Whatever that even is anymore. <laughs> All right, uh, rotation. Mike Clevenger, beautiful start. Seven and two-thirds, one run. Ten strikeouts against the White Sox. Ooh, Blake Snell with seven walks. That gives him 11 walks in 12 innings in his last two starts. At Houston and at the Yankees. So last night was at Houston. Do you realize that Blake Snell has given up 64 hits in 94 and a third innings and has just a 1.06 whip? But I don't think that you could sit there and not be a little concerned about the walks. And then Cole Hamels was really good last night. Everybody's very good against Kansas City. But Hamels, uh, 36 walks, 92 strikeouts, 18 home runs allowed. He didn't give up one yesterday in 92 and a third. Clevenger, Snell, Hamels, um, Obviously, Snell's number one. Who's number two on that list? Snell or Clevenger or Hamels? Pardon me. Clevenger, who's really gotten back on track with the swinging strikes after uh, being a little concerning with the strikeouts early on. We weren't sure he was going to be that big-time Batman, or he was a year ago, but nine of his last ten starts, he's been double digits and seems fine again there. Well, so. Can I can I just throw a little caveat there? Because swinging strikes I didn't look at, but just in terms of strikeouts— the White Sox, he's faced the White Sox three times this year, and those have been three of his best strikeout rate games. So, especially the last two starts, he's had 21 strikeouts and 14 and two-thirds, both against the White Sox. So I, I feel like that's... I mean, if you have an elite, elite swinging strike rate, though, which he has during that stretch, the strikeouts are going to come. Okay. Blake Snell, it's, it's a little concerning, yes, that a third of his walks for the season have come in his past two starts. And obviously that was the key for the breakthrough, do, doing away with all those control issues. But at the same time, like it's two starts. That's the biggest takeaway here. It's two starts. Let's not freak out. Just be a little, be aware of it. That, that like if things go wrong for him, that's where it's going to be. 
Yeah, I want to check his schedule going forward. Uh, I don't know that it matters, but, you know, there could be a lot of Yankees and Red Sox on there. Uh, fringy starting pitchers, Scott White. We've talked about some of them, um, but Vince Velasquez, Mike Montgomery, who has a 311 ERA, and as a starter, he's been really good. Four straight starts of exactly six innings and exactly one earned run for Mike Montgomery. Uh, Mike Soroka did not pitch well at Toronto. Carlos Rodon has gotten through the brutal stretch of his schedule. He's faced the Red Sox and then the Indians twice in his first three starts and has one of his highest strike rates of his career, 62.4%, however, 3.9 walks per nine, pretty high for Rodon. And Matt Boyd, you know, one quality start in his last six starts. Uh, we don't really like Matt Boyd. So we'll put, we'll put Boyd last on this list. Velasquez, Montgomery, Soroka, Rodon, and then Boyd. How would you rank Velasquez, Montgomery, Soroka, and Rodon? I'd go Velasquez, Soroka, Rodon. Rodon's still mostly about stashing for the upside for me. I haven't really been compelled to use him yet. Soroka, obviously a bad start yesterday, but um, it, it's kind of a stash for the upside situation too, I guess. Just we've seen a little better from him than Rodon to this point. Velasquez is going to be inconsistent because he's mostly fastball dependent, but he's pretty good. And Montgomery, I don't trust at all, but because, you know, this this success is built on a ridiculously low Babbitt. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. But how many Sparps are getting quality starts consistently for a contender? You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that, he's useful right now. Just don't get too attached. To Jordan Montgomery. And in deep league, Scott just loves Johan Camargo for the Braves. He's got a pretty... Mike ma- Montgomery. I said Jordan Montgomery? My bad. Yes. To say Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, my bad. Mike Montgomery. Uh, but Scott loves Johan Carmargo. He's 13% owned. Matt Duffy continues to hit well. He's 21% owned. Randall Gritchick is hitting pretty well. He's 19% owned. How would you rank Camargo, Duffy, and Gritchick? I would rank them Camargo, Duffy, and Gritchick. Now Gritchick has more upside than Duffy, but in the, I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily trust him to make good on it. Camargo, I really think is under-owned at 13%. He has a 259 BABIP this year. That's 100 points lower than last year's. Last year's was probably too high, but the the fact is there there's a lot of BABIP correction coming. And he has had a top 20 walk rate this year. He's on what would be a 20 homer pace. Like, I think at the very least, Camaro profiles as another young hair Vassalarte. And there's a possibility he's even better than that. So oh, if you like right. Day, if you wish you had him to plug in at all those positions, Camargo's a good bet to join him, at least at shortstop and third base. Do you have any interest in Eric Lauer or Derek Rodriguez? Not really. It would take a situation like we saw with Rodriguez this week, where not only two starts, but two of the best matchups you'll find, Miami and San Diego. It, it would take that for either of them to really enter the mixed league discussion for me. I mean, Rodriguez has had one dreadful start at Washington, two and two-thirds, five earned runs. In his other four appearances, three of them starts, 24 hits in 21 innings. That's not good. Six walks, 20 strikeouts, and a 3.33 ERA at Colorado, home against Philadelphia, Washington, and Miami. So 10% owned, and I'm just I'm not making the case for, like, standard mixed leagues, but 
San Diego this weekend. If if I need a if I am in a daily league and I am in one, uh, and I can pick up Rodriguez and I need a good start on Sunday, I I might take a shot on him. Uh, so that's a home game against the Padres. Scott, let's take a quick look at today's matchups. Michael Fulmer at Tyler Malley. I'll, I'll go with Fulmer. That's fine. Uh, Anibal Sanchez at J Hap. Hap, I'd be good with. Sanchez, I still don't trust, even though the matchup is kind of favorable. I'd, I'd, it's too risky. Michael Waka at Jake Arietta. I will start. I'll start both, even Arietta. All right. I'm fine with that. And uh, White Sox at Indians, Ronaldo Lopez at Corey Kluber. Obviously, Kluber. What about Lopez? I think just Kluber. Okay. You know, Lopez has done fine, but it's just awful peripherals, and the Indians have an amazing lineup. We're going to start Ross Stripling. We're going to start John Lester. Frankie Montas at Joey Lucchese, who's off the DL. Not Lucchese. The athletics struggle against lefties, right? But he was kind of underwhelming before the DL, and I just, I, I'll take a pass brush off the DL. Montas against the Padres is interesting. Like he has, the underlying numbers are all not good, but. The performance, apart from last start, has been good. And the Padres are a great matchup. Uh, I think I'd lean yes if you can afford to roster him. But All right, let's, like let's speed it up. Let's speed it up, my friend. Okay. Uh, Montas leaning yes. Jose Urania, Derek Holland. No. Also, don't discount. I just called you my friend, okay? I've forgiven you. Felix Hernandez at Jonathan Loizaga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lean no on Loisaga for now. Need to see more. Definitely no on Felix. Brent Suter at Chad Cool. Oh, uh, man. No. Cool's not bad, but I'd rather not. Andrew Kashner at Gio Gonzalez. Start Gio. Nate Evaldi at Charlie Morton. Start Charlie. That's it. David Price at Lance Lynn. Just Price. Yeah, just Price. Austin Bevens Dirks at Jake Junis. I, I think I'm gonna, I think I'll start Junis. I know he's gotten rocked the last two times. The fact that it's a home start helps. And we're gonna sit Seth Lugo and Chad Bettis at Colorado. Um, alright, I think we're just about done. I can read a few quick emails. Brian wants to know who you'd rather have rest of year in a head-to-head points league, Brandon Nimmo or Miguel Andujar? Nimmo. Okay. Uh, we got a hey real quick from Scott. Should I drop Godley for Herman? I would not go that far in my Herman love. I th- Godley's shown some signs of a turnaround lately. I, I want to stick with him a little longer. Okay, we've got... Eddie Rosario or Christian Yelich, rest of season from Landon. That's actually become yeah. an interesting comparison. I'm going to lean Yelich for now. It's kind of a legacy uh, advantage that he has in that comparison because they've been doing like there, there's reasons why you might prefer him to Rosario uh, to Yelich if he's everything he's shown himself to be this year. And Trey Turner or Chris Bryant? I mean. Probably Turner and Roto and Bryant and points. Okay, and I think that's about it. We will talk to you tomorrow. I'm good with that. Yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's going to be awesome.
some more underachievers on tomorrow's show. Maybe some overachievers. You never know. You never know how I'm going to be feeling. So send us your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. For Scott White, I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you Thursday.